Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Centered, Committed, Confident. I'm your co-host, Cody Rogers. I'm Regan Erickson. And I'm Hannah Erickson. And if you notice that slight delay in our normally smooth intro of introducing <laughs> ourselves, it's because uh, we're in, once again, another different format as to how we're recording. Um, the Ericsons, I almost said the Regents. That's <laughs> I like that. The Ericsons are uh, currently sitting at home, mm-hmm. quarantined, not because of COVID, technically, because you don't have COVID or anything, but yep. because you're waiting for a baby. On yeah. baby watch. Baby watch, waiting for a little baby boy to come at any mm-hmm. time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So close. So, uh, you know, if we're, if they're able to record ne- next week, we should all we should all just spend the episode praying. <laughs> yes, yes, please. please. We'll Hopefully just... we cannot record next week. Yeah. yeah. Get this baby out. So so I bring all that up to also to just mention clearly the uh, the audio it might be a little bit different for you guys today. But um, I'm trusting that we'll still be able to talk about what we need to talk about, which for today's episode is, as you saw in the title, moral therapeutic deism sort of a, a long term and one that I, I would say is probably not familiar to most people just, you know, walking down the street. Would you guys agree with that? Yeah, right, for yeah. sure. Um, so maybe just talk about for a second. Um, we'll, we'll talk about what it is, maybe a bit why we're, we've chosen to talk about it. And then we'll really dive into what makes up moral therapeutic deism. So, what uh, moral therapeutic deism is, is uh, it came out of a study that happened um, several years ago now, early 2000s, where um, a whole bunch of teenagers were polled about their spiritual and religious beliefs. I think it was like 3,000 some teenagers. Yeah. And mm-hmm. um, they were polled and there was a collection of, of similar data that came through, um, the similar... Uh, beliefs that span throughout most of these teenagers and not only that but after this was published and produced in a book in like 2005 i think it was um it resonated with pretty much everybody um and because it resonated so much with uh, many americans it's uh, sort of a trustworthy thing to be able to talk about as uh, as what is america's belief system in general mm-hmm. or yeah or at least a widely held belief that we it, we at least need to know about. Um, I'd say it's as important as understanding any religion because it is a religion. It is it is a belief system, um, and it's important to understand. Uh, we should probably shorten it, right? Moral therapeutic. So MTD. We'll call it MTD from henceforth, right? There we go. Um, Thank you. <laughs> it's important to understand MTD because um, if we understand. Islam and how somebody might think and what they believe, it helps us relate to them, helps us speak the gospel better to them. Um, and in the same way, understanding this belief system will allow us to do the exact same things, be able to speak to the, the truth to them, speak the gospel to them, and understand how they're already thinking and how best to relate that. So did I miss anything on on what it is or why really we should be talking about it? One thing that might be worth noting is that most people that you talk to, if they hold like these beliefs, these MTD beliefs, they're probably not going to label themselves though as MTD. That's true. So like you're not going to walk around seeing people being like, I'm a moral therapeutic deist. Um, But it's more like a collection of 
these common beliefs that we see in people yeah and in america before we talk about what it is i know we're sort of leaving them on a cliffhanger at the moment our listeners but <laughs> um what what are ways that people who partake to this would say um they'd probably say that they're what um a spiritualist mm-hmm. i think a lot would say that they're christian christian yeah. yep yeah, there's a, it's it's a, a hidden a hidden um, oh it's a, a wolf in sheep's clothing right or yeah. you know um, yeah okay so Christian I'd say many would say I'm just spiritual man or I just believe mm-hmm. in doing good or what else it's probably where a lot of like agnostics would fall yeah in the belief system and I think maybe it's the reason people are agnostic sometimes yeah. Because they yeah. want to hold on to these specific beliefs. Do you want to define agnostic for the listeners? Yeah, pr- yeah, probably should. Um, ag- agnostic. Um, so when we talk about different belief systems, we have atheist, agnostic, right? Atheist is um, without God. The A usually means without, I believe, right? So, mm-hmm. um, so a theist meaning theo without God agnostic is without truth right um so this idea of i i don't know what to believe i don't i don't believe yes there's a god and i don't believe no there's not a god it's sort of this in between um where many people fall because either one they don't want to deal with it because it gives them a headache or two mm-hmm. they've read so much they just don't know what to believe they can't make a decision because there's so many options that lie before them mm-hmm did I, anything you want to add to that? No, I think that's, that's good. Great. Okay. Well then let's, let's dive into it. It's been, you know, five minutes and we haven't defined it. So <laughs> there's a few ways to think about moral therapeutic deism. Uh, and, and the first one is uh, one that our senior pastor here at Coram Deo uh, likes to sort of shorthand and talk about. And that is just break down the word, the, the name of it itself. Um, mm-hmm. So moralistic, meaning um, acting good, right? Therapeutic yep. means feeling good. And deism is this concept that there is a God, but that God is not necessarily um, named or specific, right? It's this general deity, general general God. Yeah. Usually not like present in your life. Yeah. Main- but- May not be all powerful, may not be all knowing, may not be all mm-hmm. present, right? Those are not things that have to define a deist. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the way to think about it that way is uh, someone that partic- per, uh, partakes moralistic therapeutic deism is somebody that does things that they believe help them to act good. They act in a way that helps them to feel good. And mm-hmm. they do all of it with the mindset that there is a general God mm-hmm. in, yeah. in the world, right? Um, that would be a good way to just sort of remember it if you are coming back to this later or you're just trying to have a quick hand at it. But there's actually um, five like tenets, five, five specific beliefs of moral therapeutic, de- moralistic therapeutic deism. Um, and I, what I want to do, and this is where we'll all get to talk more, <laughs> what I want to do is go down all five of them, say what the, what the belief is, Maybe say where we see it sort of played out in culture. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I want to talk about how scripture says, okay, and, or how scripture completely refutes it. And um, the, the point of this episode over the next 15 minutes, everyone, is that you would just be able to see where your best friend or your sister or your brother or yourself 
fall into these traps and mm-hmm. and believe something that's not necessarily the gospel or or what scripture would would teach us. So it's to open all of our eyes to our own personal shortfalling or shortcomings and um, maybe the widely held beliefs of those around us. Okay. So let's dive into the first one. If you want, you can look this up. Actually, Wikipedia has actually a pretty good definition. They take it directly out of the book. Um, So you can just reference that anytime if you want. Just type in moralistic therapeutic deism. Um, So the five tenets, the first one is that there is a God, uh, a God who exists, who created and ordered the world and watches over human life on earth. So... People believe there's a God who at least created and made the world and watches over human life on earth. What do we think about that? Yeah, it's interesting. I had a professor in college who identified herself as a deist. And she's like, I think a God of some kind created the world. And now he's watching us kind of as if we're on like a TV program. So like life is happening. He's completely stand off and he's just observing all these things take place, you know, like a big spirit in the sky type of thing. Um, yeah. The watches over mm-hmm. two mm-hmm. words right there in that statement are uh, deceitful. Yes. Cause watches it's, over could very much be impersonal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would like split this statement into two parts. The first part where like God exists and who created and ordered the world, the Bible would absolutely hold up, you know, Genesis one, is all about telling us about God who created and ordered the world intentionally, you know? And so like scripture would agree with that part of the statement. Kind of, but it says a God. exists. That's true. Yeah. And we believe the God exists. Right. Yeah. Trinitarian God of father, son and Holy spirit exists and created. So it's so close to being right. That first part. Yeah. But then it's, that's true. I, yeah, I wasn't really focusing on like the who the creator was, but like what the creator did. I yeah. guess. But yeah, that makes I would hundred percent agree. Like it, yeah. it needs to be God in the Bible. Because we would say, Yes, there is a God, and that yeah. God did these things. Like we would yeah. come into agreement for most of that statement. Mm-hmm. But then the watches over human life, just like we were talking about, it can it gets really close to becoming impersonal, or it can at least imply that in which the God yeah. of the Bible is very personal. And and that's what it wants to state. It wants to state that it's not personal, right? Yeah. Um, there's two types of watches over in my life right now, right? There's the, like, me being in the same room as my son. Like, you know, so we have some foster boys with us. Um, one of them is a baby. And I, I could sit there and watch him on the baby monitor and just watch what he does and, mm-hmm. um, and not have anything else to do with it. That would be a very impersonal watching over him. Um, mm-hmm. But I could also be watching him to interact with him, right? To yeah. either stop him from doing something or, um, you know, help him or feed him or provide for him. Mm-hmm. And MTD very much leans towards the first one. Yeah. yeah, that's a great example. So that would be, um, I think, a good chunk of it. Let's uh, let's back it up with some scripture some more. So we definitely mentioned Genesis 1 for the God who exists and created. But what about, what does scripture say that refutes that God is not, not personable? Like what scriptures do we have to point to that, no, God is very personable and there's more than him just watching over things? I mean, I think just think about the incarnation of Christ, yeah. the fact that he sent his son to the earth to dwell among his people. 
the fact that he now sends his spirit to yeah. dwell within us. Like that in the Old Testament, he had a special presence in the temple, that he has always been a personal, relational God from Eden into eternity when we'll dwell with him um, in, per- like in perfect unity and in yeah. paradise. And that all throughout the storyline of scripture, we see him coming near to his people, um, not just staying completely far off. Yeah, he, there's there's points where he intersects with life. In John three yeah. sixteen, for God like, so loved the world that he actively sent his son. Yeah, yeah. Right? He participated in creation in a moment in time because he was motivated in his love for us. Yeah, I mean, even in Genesis one, it says the Spirit of God hovered over the waters, and like in John one one, it says in the beginning Jesus was there. You know, it, right? It is the word says word instead of Jesus, but like it's speaking about Jesus there. Yeah. It's like, he's very much present. Yep. All right. So, uh, we'll, we'll keep on trucking along. Cause I think we're going to spend some good chunk of time on the other four points. We're about, you know, mm-hmm. 12, 13 minutes into this. So first point was a God exists, uh, who created an order of the world and watches over human life. The second one is, uh, God wants people to be good, nice, and fair to each other, as taught in the Bible and by most world religions. That that means that there's a belief uh, in in many people, most people, um, especially in America, that um, there is a God and He wants us to be good and nice. That's that moralistic part, right? the moralistic yeah. part mm-hmm. of the of the term. Yeah, I think it's interesting when it talks about um, how it's taught in the Bible and most world religions that MTD gets into uh, relativism. It's this idea that whatever you believe is good, like it's good for you, mm-hmm. as long as you're doing good to other people. And so whether you believe in Allah or if you are Jewish or Mormon or whatever it is, as long as you are doing good things in general— then we're going to accept you and we're totally fine with whatever else you believe along with that. Yeah. And it, it tries to unite world religions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what it's doing here is it's putting the act of good higher than what the def- definition of truth is it's saying that it doesn't matter what you believe about it as long as you're doing good. Mm-hmm. And it's elevating that to a level higher than scripture in this case, because it can be put on the same plane as, um, other world religions. Yeah. So let's, let's dive into this, into the scripture portion. Um, is it true in scripture that God does want us to be good, nice, and fair to each other? Like, do we yeah. see that in scripture? Yeah, I think as a whole, but I think the aim is not the same aim as yeah. moral therapeutic deism aims to obtain through their goodness Mm. so but answering the question the answer is yes yes Yes. like scripture does teach us to uh, treat others how we would desire to be treated right um Mm -hmm. i i know in philippians count others as more significant than yourself to Mm -hmm. be servant-minded as christ was servant-minded right there so they're they're they've they've got they're they're in the right parking lot yeah (laughs) Yeah. like they're in the parking lot but they're not in the building um, <laughs> and so God wants us to be good, fair, and nice to each other. But now to Hannah's point, what's the difference? What's the difference in, in scripture compared to why someone who is, uh, believes in MTD. 
Yeah, so I think of two different things. Um, so God tells in the Old Testament, and again in First Peter, that we're called to be holy as he is holy, that the um, goal is not just moralism, but actually sanctification and holiness through the power of the Spirit working in us. Um, and then also um, in like, the Great Commandment, Jesus talks about, like we start by loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Um, and then you love your neighbor as yourself. And so we start by glorifying God, by doing things for his glory and the expansion of his kingdom. And part of that is the way that we love other people and the good things that we do. But again, the aim is not moralism. The aim is holiness and righteousness that only comes through a personal relationship with Jesus. And it's poured out in our actions. Yeah. And, you know, I even just want to emphasize the definition of good is different. Yeah. You know, um, scripture says apart from God, I have no good apart from God. I, there is no good. Right. Um, the concept of something being intrinsically good apart from God, uh, does not exist in the Christian worldview. Right. So the things that are good are, are of God and given to us from him. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and they glorify him. Right, whether or not they actively do with their lips, the 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 good things glorify all that God has given His creation. Um, and and so when MTD says good, they mean um, beneficial, right? Beneficial to one another or to yourself, but they do not mean glorifying to God no. or or of God. And that's a big difference there too. Let's see. Did we cover all that? God wants people to be good and nice and fair to each other. It's taught the Bible, which is true, and by mo most world religions. But the goal, we've said, is holiness. And and the definition of good is is a lot different. So, Yeah. And that goes into number three also. It does. Yeah. So number three is the central goal of life is to be happy and to feel good about oneself. Is that true? Oh. No. I would say no. You sure? <laughs> not not in that in such an absolute term. Yes, yeah. <laughs> the central um, goal of life is to be like, happy. Like there, you should find. I would say like you should find joy in the Lord, and like with your standing before the Lord, you know you could feel good about your salvation in Jesus. So like you could like frame that in, but like to say that that my goal in life is to be happy and feel good about yourself. It's not good. Um, for me, this point really stands out before I was saved. Um, I, I would say that I had a lot of MTD beliefs. Um, and I, I, maybe not in, in entirety, but like you could have classified me as a moral therapeutic deist probably. And in particular, this is one of those that I had applied to my life. I would have called myself a Christian. I would have claimed you know, Jesus as my savior at that point in time. But my goal was to do good as taught in the Bible, referencing to point two, but also that was my goal because I was supposed to be good. And my main goal in life was to be happy and feel good, which meant I wanted to gain fame. I wanted to be rich and reach this certain status symbol. And that's what I thought would make me happy and make me feel good. Um, but when you come to the reality of what scripture says and you come to salvation, you realize that the goal in life is 
is not that it's kind of like we were talking about it's like being holy and it's pointing your eyes to jesus and surrendering your life to him yeah yeah i would reword it and say the central goal of life leads to happiness and feeling good about oneself right and what i mean by that is the central goal of life is is god and god alone to know god to love god to glorify god um, that is a central goal of, of life. That's why we're here. Um, Isaiah says we are created for God's glory. Um, that is our purpose statement um, in, in why we even exist, right? And I'd say that's the central goal is to know God. And those things lead to um, what the world might call happiness, right? They lead to this joy that can't be given any other way. They lead to this satisfaction about oneself, meaning um, that you are not the end goal in life and that um, God is and you feel assured and and good about that place, right? And you have extreme joy in knowing the one who has um, created you. So that it's like it's taking the the prize it's it's taking the side effects and making it the prize. yeah is, is how I feel that statement is um, is, is doing to Christianity. Yeah, but I think it's important to say, too, like, just because um, as believers we are living for God's glory does not mean that we're always going to feel happy. Like, so yeah. much of MTD is based on your feeling, that you feel happy, you feel successful, you feel good. Um, and we're not guaranteed that every day. Joy and happiness is different. Um, and also, like, we are told that we will suffer and we will experience hardship. And for MTD, that's failure. Yeah, That means that I'm not obtaining the goal of life that means i'm not doing um this thing called living correctly if i don't feel good or if my situation is not what i want it to be um and so much of our happiness um and joy is guaranteed in eternity uh, but it's still going to be hard while we're on earth i think that's what also sets christianity apart is that we will suffer and we will have hardship but since our goal of life is the glory of god and not to feel good about ourselves um, we can walk through that with purpose and with joy as we, um, yeah, finish the race of life. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying is that to, to the world, happiness and joy are not different, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so for them, they label it as just to be happy. Um, mm -hmm. And so that, that's what I'm getting at is they are seeing something and, and trying to just obtain it through any way possible which can only mm -hmm. be just happiness felt in the moment right but, mm -hmm. but what i'm saying is is happiness though the actual happiness that they're seeking is what we call joy is what we mm -hmm. call a rooted um un, unchanging um overwhelming joy and happiness that stems from something outside of our circumstances mm -hmm. yeah and and so yes yes and is, is, is essentially what i'm getting to is mm -hmm. you're right i think that mtd um, doesn't view happiness and joy as two separate things. And so when they say happy, they're trying to obtain what can only be found in the joy of, of somebody who knows God and joy sh can and shall never leave you. Right. Yeah. If you, if you know Christ. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think this is the one that's so evident to see in people also. Um, so like I was in a sorority in college and just observing all the things that the girls in my sorority would do to be happy for a moment 
and then they would get home and they would be miserable. But they would do all these things, searching for happiness, whether it's drinking and sex or whether it is um, joining the most prestigious leadership groups on campus or um, building a resume to go to med school, pursuing this happiness and wanting to feel good about oneself and doing all the self-care and doing all these things that social media say or based on their astrological symbol or whatever it is. Um, and every time they'd come up empty over and over and they'd just be starving for happiness even more. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of, uh, well, this, this might be, uh, dating my, well, not dating myself, making myself a nerd for sure. Right. But the, I, I think about it a lot. Um, if anybody has seen the Harry Potter movies or has seen mm-hmm. or has read the books, I think about the sixth book when Dumbledore has to drink the potion and it is a potion that you drink that makes you thirsty. Right. And the more you drink, the more pain you experience, but also the thirstier that you are. Mm-hmm. And that is the world's version of happiness to me. Yeah. The, the more yeah. you try to be happy, the more unhappy you will be and the more you'll desire mm-hmm. happiness. Yeah. According to the world. So, yeah, if y'all think, um, oh, man, he's a he's a he's a heathen now. He <laughs> he practices witchcraft. We're going to have to stop listening to this. Like, well, sorry for the pop culture reference, friends, but I'm not, <laughs> I'm not sorry either. So, OK, uh, let's go through the next two are going to be pretty quick, I think, to go through. So number four is God does not need to be particularly involved in one's life, except when God is needed to resolve a problem. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, when I was looking into this, um, someone described it like roadside assistance. It's like Regent and I have like a AAA membership. So if we break down on the side of the road, the flat tire, we can call up AAA. They're going to come and they're going to get us to wherever we need to be. And that's how people treat God, where it's like, I don't really need God 99% of the time. But if someone is sick, if I need an A on this test, or I'm having a hard time, I'm going to call on him. He can intervene in that moment. And I no longer need him to be in my life until I'm in trouble again. Yeah, it's like any kind of insurance. It doesn't seem important. It doesn't seem active. It doesn't seem involved until you need it. And then all of a sudden, (laughs) it's there, you know. Um. I think that's a good way to put it, Hannah. Regent, you got yeah. anything to add? No, that's that's a great way to describe it. All right. Um, and the, the fifth one, good people go to heaven when they die. That, <laughs> this is another interesting one, too, where it's just it's it's assuming a, a definition of good that isn't based upon really any foundational truth. So it's just like what what they feel, what makes you feel good, which would opens, opens up the umbrella much wider than what scripture would hold to what can get you to heaven. I guess is the way I'd start by saying it. Right. Yeah, that goodness can't get us to heaven. That all have fallen short of the glory of God. Yeah. Yeah. What, what is a good person? Right. Yeah. That, that's the exact question you would, you, you could ask then is if, if we use scripture and you ask the question, who of us then is good enough to go to heaven? Right. There's no one. I know no one. I'm not. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, it says, so Romans is what we keep on alluding to, right? Romans yeah. says that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, meaning no, there, there's no one is good. No, not one. Right. Yeah. Um, and 
And so the the Christian, the Bible-believing Christian says, no one is good. You're right. Good people go to heaven, but but the definition of good is perfect in God, and, yeah. and nobody is that, mm-hmm. right? The, the standard is so high, no one can achieve it, um, and so it had to be achieved for us. It had to be won for us and bought for us yeah. through Christ. Um, I, I, I don't know. So I, I went to a very liberal school, uh, a very liberal arts, um, non-Christian secular school, and we valued right thought. At least that was a thing, supposedly, right? We valued thought okay. and critical thinking. And I took tons of philosophy classes and theology classes. And this statement always made me so mad, like even before I was a believer. Because to say good people go to heaven, the only thing you can possibly mean is that uh, people that do good deeds, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the the problem I always had with that statement, even even while I was an atheist, was that it depends on your scope. Yeah. yeah. So like in a room of 10 people, how many of those people get to go to heaven, right? And and the, the extent in which you're good is only compared to those 10 people. Well, take those 10 people and then go out and all of a sudden those 10 people are in one room of a building of 10,000 people. Mm-hmm. And maybe none of those 10 people are good comparatively to the other 9,000 some that are in the building. Yeah. Like, you can't possibly see by scope what makes somebody good or bad and and where the line is drawn and and how that person might compare to all of people in history, right? Yeah. There has to be a standard besides just the amount of people in the bucket. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I've talked to people about this and, you know, good people go to heavens and who do you know that won't? Like, everyone goes to, like, Hitler. Like, yes. everyone but Hitler will probably make it to heaven. When yeah. you think about the people that followed Hitler, they thought he was, like, the most perfect form of human you could have, that he was yeah. good, and that if anyone, if anyone was going to go to heaven, it would be Hitler. And yeah. so it is so much based on your perspective and how you're viewing the person. And so who is the judge of that? If it isn't God and his perfection, then who will be the judge of what is good and who yeah. will get into heaven? Yeah, I think that's a good point is, you know, you're, you're talking about point of view and scope and that, you mm-hmm. know. So what, what's, what's guiding that point of view is, mm-hmm. is the next question to know who's good enough to go to heaven mm-hmm. based on that statement. Which that is something interesting I, I saw when reading about MTD is that out of these teenagers that were, uh, that did this study, a vast majority of them believed in heaven as well as hell. Um, while at the same time, this statement holds true in the fact that they think good people go to heaven and would say that a vast majority of people would go to heaven. Yeah. I just found that very interesting, but it's just, again, it comes to that standard of, you know, who is good at scope. Yeah. But they wouldn't say anyone that they would know would go to hell. No, all people I know are good. Right. They'll all be there with me. Yeah, because the scope they want to rest on is just each person judged individually based on did they have more good things than bad things in their life, mm-hmm. you know. Um, yeah, and I mean the thought of your best friend going to hell, that doesn't make you feel good. And so automatically doesn't fit in yeah. with this worldview that they have with MTD. That if it doesn't make you feel good, then it probably isn't true. Yeah. yeah. All right. It's been 30 minutes. Just to summarize here, everybody. 
moralistic therapeutic deism is the reigning religion of uh i would say for certainly america probably easy to say the world um, but it, it is the reigning religion of most people you're going to talk to and i just want to call all of us out it's a good chance it's the reigning religion of some of you listening and it's the reigning religion of many of the people that attend our church uh, or any church on Sunday mornings, because what it really is, is people trying to have all the good things that come with God without all the hard things that come from knowing him. And they, they, they want the, they want the prize without running the race. Yeah. And, um, and so we've led ourselves to this belief that there's this God, he interacts with the world only when needed, only when we're in trouble. Otherwise, he sort of sits back. And as long as you're good and nice and fair to one another, um, you're going to be able to go to heaven. And overall, while you're living, just live your life to be happy and to be true to yourself. Um, if you can't turn on the news or open Facebook or Instagram and Snapchat and see that, then you're blind. Mm -hmm. um, that's what's going on in the world right now. That's why we need to talk about it. That's why we need to preach the gospel more and more. And how does this relate to our three C's? This relates to our three C's and the fact that we need to center our life on Christ, not just some belief system that is going to make us feel good. We need to be committed to discipling others to see the truth in uh, what they may believe is moralistic therapeutic deism and not the, the gospel of the Bible. Um, and we need to be confident that the Word of God teaches something completely different than than what uh, we just discussed here. So that's as much as I can summarize it as quick as I can. I have no idea what we're talking about next week. Um, I don't even think the Ericsons are going to be with us uh, for a little bit. Y'all will probably be taking some maternity and paternity leave, huh? Probably. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe ever come. So friends, <laughs> friends, you'll just have to you'll just have to wait to find out who our our new co-host will be for a little bit. Um, because I guess okay. I'll also wait because I got to think through that as well. But um, okay, you guys, I got anything you want to add before you're you're off the off the air for a little bit with us? Um, I think my one last thing with MTD, if you're listening to this and you aren't sure what you believe and you can't articulate it, let's have a conversation. In all the um, surveys of those three thousand people, one of the problems that these teens had is that they didn't know what the Bible said. They didn't know what their church believed or what they actually believed. It was just this whole big spirit in the sky, do good things. And so it's so important to be able to articulate your beliefs, articulate from Scripture where that comes from. I know Regent and I are always trying to grow in that, that, we're, that we can say things without always drawing it back to Scripture. And mm -hmm. so I just challenge you guys to continue to grow um, and being able to articulate your beliefs and, and um, articulate the gospel um, and yeah, grow in those three seeds. That is how that will happen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> That's good. That's true. Um, yeah. And a good way to reach out, of course, would be to email. Uh, you can always email me, Cody R at cdbible.org. You can reach out to us on our website, or uh, you could come check out Thursday nights at seven o'clock at Coromdale yeah. Bible Church, oh. our Thursday gatherings. Um, that's going to do it for us today, though. So hopefully we'll see you on a Thursday night. Other no, otherwise, know uh, that we love you guys. We're praying for you. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>